Good evening, everybody. How are you doing? Welcome. Can I, can I ask a grand favour of you this evening? Come out of your seats and join me here for a minute. I know, freaking some of you out right now. You don't need to stand in rows. Just, just come out here. Just come out here. You stand as close to me as you want. I don't bite. Yeah. Yeah, come on down. It's great to see you. Thank you, sir. Look, I, I really, really believe, have an absolute conviction that God wants to meet with every person here. Yeah? He wants to meet with every, there's no exceptions to the rule. God wants to meet with every person here. And I th just thought 30 seconds a minute ago actually, why don't we start by all gathering together and spending a little bit of time praying. And tonight let's pray that uh, the Holy Spirit, that we would, we would sense the Holy Spirit in a tangible way tonight, that our hearts would be open to receive what He wants to do in, in our lives and that we would connect with Him tonight in a powerful way. And that tonight won't just be a going through, uh, you know, a, a gathering. Let's start. Let's try and finish on time. So it, whatever. Let, let's, let's pray that every part of it is soaked with the presence and the intention of God. Is that okay? So why I got you down here was because I could have prayed that by myself. But it's far, far more powerful if we all pray it together. Yeah? So can I invite us all to open up our hearts before Jesus. I don't know, you might want to open your arms to signify that. And let's just start to pray it together, eh? Speak out where you are and just start to ask God what you'd like to see happen tonight. Ask Him to saturate every part of this meeting, to rest powerfully on every person in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray that it is a testimony of every person in this room that when we leave this place, we would have met with you. We would have encountered the living God. And so we open our hearts, we open our spirits, we open our minds before you and we say, Holy Spirit, do your thing, whatever that is. And I pray that tonight you would encourage your church, you'd build your church, you'd change your church, you'd set your church free in Jesus' name. Father, that you would enthuse your church, you'd fill your church with passion and praise tonight in Jesus' name. And that when we leave this place, we won't leave as we came in. We will leave having encountered God. We would leave being fully fresh, fully, freshly filled with your Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would touch every single person. Whether we're asking for it or not, Lord, I ask that you would touch in your way every single person in this place. In Jesus' name. And Father, as Graham comes and speaks shortly, I ask that you would anoint him, that you would anoint his words powerfully tonight. They would carry a sense of heaven with them. In Jesus' name, and as Aaron and the team lead us as we worship and praise you again, that there will be a sense of heaven about that. And Lord, that we would each connect with you face to face, that we'd literally feel the breath of God. We would be so close with you tonight. Any inhibitions 
Father, I ask that you'd break those down in Jesus' name. Any walls that we might have put up as we come in, I ask that you would give us the courage to drop those in Jesus' name because we know that you are the ultimate gentleman and that tonight we would be real before you, open before you. Father, just start to breathe life by your Spirit into every person here in Jesus' name. Every person even now in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
done, it is done. When you say it is done, it is done. When you say it is done, it is of eternal promise stirring in your sons and daughters the earth revealing heaven's wonders spirit come spirit come what you spoke now unfolding all your children shall be holding 
you are, why don't you just begin to pray out your prayer, your, your deepest spirit cry, whether in song or in words or in melodies or in whatever. Just let that come out collectively right now.
while we're in this atmosphere, it'd be great to pray for needs. If you've come tonight and you've got sickness in your body or you've got a problem you can't, that's not resolving, you really need the touch of God on that. I don't know what, what it is, whatever need you've come with. If you have a need and you'd like to be prayed, can you just lift your hand right where you are? Great. Okay. Yeah, or your crutch, that'll work too. Your one, one of a pair of crutches. That's great. You can hold that up. Great. Look around you, please. There's someone around you with their hand up. Can you go and join them? I've had this thought on my heart all day, and it's, it's simply this. Jesus said he would build his church. The gates of hell would not prevail against it. And he said to us, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you forbid will be forbidden. Whatever you release will be released. And so the person that you're praying with now ministering to, simply lock away the atmospheres, lock away the situations in their life that are not representative of the kingdom. And then unlock, unlock those things that are representative of the kingdom. Healing, peace, mercy, kindness, great relationships, provision in Jesus' name. Father, we lock away every atmosphere tonight that does not represent heaven in Jesus' name. Father, I lock away fear specifically in the name of Jesus. Sickness, I lock it away in the name of Jesus. Brokenness, in the name of Jesus. Lack, in the name of Jesus. Confusion, in the name of Jesus. And where those things have existed, we release the atmospheres of heaven. Father, I release healing in Jesus' name. I release wholeness in Jesus' name. I release provision in Jesus' name. I release peace in Jesus' name. I release courage in Jesus' name. And Father, I release a revelation of grace in Jesus' name. take hold of those things in the name of Jesus. I release forgiveness in Jesus' name.
one more time. pray, Father, that the the sound of worship coming from our hearts and our mouths is pleasing to you tonight. That it lifts you up, that it glorifies you, that it somehow expresses all you are. In Jesus' name, we're so grateful to walk with you, so grateful to know you. Fantastic, wasn't it? Wasn't that nice? That was great, eh? Yeah, it was fun, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that was nothing that we planned. That's what I liked about it. Great. So welcome. Nice to have you here this evening. Hey, as you're going to your seats, who's had a birthday in this last week? Emma. A birthday or, or a wedding anniversary. Pastor Ray's had a birthday. Emma has had a birthday. Come on, come on. Is that a birthday? Birthday? Happy birthday. Fantastic. Any other birthdays or wedding anniversaries this week? So I know you just sat down, but stand up one more time. But you can stay where you are this time. Because we're going to declare God's blessing over all of these guys, okay? Oh, did she? Mallory, are you here? Because you got engaged. No, she's not. I know. Ray's only come today for chocolate. Okay, here we go. Let's declare God's blessing over these guys for the next year. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity, purpose and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Ray. Well. In just a moment, I'm going to hand over to Graham to come and speak to us. Wonderful to have Graham Lawrence with us all the way from Melbourne today. Yes, give him a great hand. That's good. And, uh, we've had a good day together. Um, next, <coughs> excuse me, next, next Sunday, we've got um, Ray Andrews with us. How many of you have heard Ray Andrews before? Yeah, a few of us. If you haven't heard Ray Andrews, you're in for a real treat. He's Irish-Australian. That's fair. He's a psychologist. Uh, he, he's a great guy. Is there a picture of him? There he is. There he is. And uh, he's a great man. He has a great message. And uh, he's generally pretty funny to go with it. And uh, you'll be really encouraged by him. So he's going to be here with us all three gatherings next week. I encourage you to bring someone with you. 
when you come will be fantastic. Well, Graham, it is great to have you with us. Thank you for making yourself available this weekend. It is our pleasure and privilege to have you here in Hamilton. Why don't you come, make yourself at home, and enjoy yourself. How about giving Graham a big hand as he comes? Fantastic. Hey, um, it is awesome to be with you tonight. And uh, can I just say, Ray Andrews, honestly, um, I'm not sure that there would be a speaker that has had a greater impact on us than Ray Andrews. So if you haven't heard him, uh, and you're just sort of wondering whether you're coming or not, honestly, he, he is absolutely superb. So uh, make sure you don't miss that. Come out. Fantastic. Thanks, guys. I think we can let you have a sit down, and we'll come back a little later, and, sure. and uh, you never know. See what God will do. I want to um, uh, share. I've never shared this with, with anybody before. This is the first time I, I kind of worked over this in the last few days, and and uh, been thinking about this the subject, and uh, and uh, it's it's again it's it's coming more from what I do in the marketplace with business people, but uh, I wanted to share with you tonight and just maybe look a little bit uh, deeper and a little different angle. Uh, this morning we talked about the rest model of leadership, which we we teach, and uh, so is that up there? It's going to come. There it is. Uh, having a vision and uh, then, then kind of building these around your world, just making sure that you have the resources. We do a lot of teaching on money and, uh, and, and God's perspective on money. There's, you know, the Bible is just filled with talk about money and business. Uh, it talks about sales, so much of stuff. So money, resource, health, wellness, then uh, ethos, your values, what you believe. You know, the reality is you will only ever rise to the level of your belief. That's true. You, you will not rise any higher than your belief. Whatever you believe is your ceiling. So if you want to believe for bigger things, you can increase your capacity. Strategy is all about having a plan. Uh, I love the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit gives us plans. In fact, the Holy Spirit is a great strategist. And uh, sometimes we think, well, we'll just go with the Holy Spirit all the time. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit will actually give you a plan to go with. Okay, so that's all cool. And then finally, team, just sort of building those things around vision. What I want to talk a little bit about tonight with you is, I'm going to take my watch off because I really should... But I believe, therefore, in fact, when we talk about values in a business context, uh, we will work with a business to write down a list of values, and then after every value, we write, therefore. Because if your values don't become actions, and you put your values on the wall, you went to a business, and you got their values on the wall, oh, look, there's one right there. Kingdom-focused, purpose, courageous, belonging, big-hearted. If there's not a therefore after each of those words, you just got some really nice wallpaper, Right? So you've got to have a therefore. You've got to say, well, therefore, and then you need to look at your actions. So, so th we act this way because of our values. Your actions then become habits, and then your habits build your reputation. So your reputation is, is really the result of your values and the actions that they produce. So, for example, if you have a value of always being on time, anybody here got that value? Always being on time. You get a reputation for being on time. If you've got a value for always being late, just anybody out there, you're always late. You see, what, what your values do is produces a reputation. What your reputation does is it actually, uh, your reputation creates this thing and say, you know, I knew you would do that. I knew you would do that. I just, that's, I knew you would do that. And wouldn't it be great if your reputation, if people always expected good things, 
You know, if you lose your temper, imagine if you just lose your temper and you're kind of losing. And so, yeah, I knew you would do that. Why is that? Because your actions have become habits. Your habits have built your reputation. But if you're always honest, if you come, you turn up on time. I, I just knew you'd do that. I knew you'd always be there on time. So hab- values become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become reputation. Reputation produces opportunity. This is how it works. How it works. So somebody looking for someone that's always on time, you've got to call Jay. He's always on time. Oh, is, is he always on time? It's pretty good. There you go. So if you want to have opportunity, you've got to understand this thing called values. Your reputation determines your opportunities. When someone's looking for a leader of integrity, who works hard, is committed, they look for you because of your values. So about eight years ago, I decided that I would, I would choose my personal values. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit more about tonight. Not, not organizational values, but your personal values. I decided that, that um, I would go to the next level and make values personal. So I began by getting a blank piece of paper, and I wrote down all the different types of values that I could think of that I would like to have. So, you know, things like a work ethic and kindness and honesty and integrity and discipline and all that kind of stuff that you want to you have. And uh, once I, 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 I filled a list of probably about 60 or 70 words, I then said, you know what, I want, to, I want to narrow this down to just five values that will then become the lens through which I live my life. I just wanted five. And I wanted, the reason I chose five is, is, is because I have five fingers. And this is the easiest way for me to remember. I reckon seven I'd forget. I'm getting old. I'm almost, almost, almost as old as this man here. Almost, not quite. I didn't get three chocolates today. <laughs> yeah. Only 21. Yeah. <laughs> so I decided I had five. So, so I decided that my five would become faith, integrity, generosity, humility, and forgiveness. I just thought that would be good for me. I thought, you know, I can... I can. So, so what then happened is that over a period of time, so this was probably in 2009, so it's probably eight years ago, I decided that Every major decision I would have in my life, I would ask myself five questions. I would say, what would faith do in this situation? What would integrity do? What would generosity do? What would humility do? What would forgiveness do? And I found that, that by doing that, I began to create a lens through which I would see life and through which I would see decisions. It's interesting um, in Job chapter 31, verse 1, we haven't got this on the screen, but Job says this. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. That's right. This is, I made a covenant. In the King James, it says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why, therefore, should I look upon a maiden? And what, what he was saying is that he had this, this list of values that he decided would determine one of his values was purity. So he said, you know, I have a value. Here's the thing about values. You don't want to make them in the midst of the battle. You've got to make them ahead of time. You have to decide tonight in the presence of God when there's no battle going on, what are my values going to be? Because when you're in the midst of the battle, it's a bit late to say, okay, purity is one of my values. When you're so tempted and you've got this opportunity there, and well, I'm just going to go. But, but Job said, you know what, I've made a covenant ahead of time. I've made a value of purity so that when the value comes, I will ask myself, 
what would purity do? When the pornography comes, what would purity do? When the temptation comes, what would purity do? You see, that's the thing about making values. They become the lens through which you see life, and they become your actions, which become your habits, which become your reputation, which becomes opportunity. So, so I made this list. I said, you know, faith, integrity, generosity, humility, forgiveness. Not long after I made that list, I had the unfortunate situation where I had to I was confronted with my dad. My dad had accusations made against him for offences against children. So now I'm in this really weird situation where, where I went to see my dad and, and the accusations were true. There were there was numerous accusations. It wasn't just one, one person. So a number of accusations had been made and I was tasked with going to my dad and saying, you know, dad, we have to deal with this. We, we can't not deal with it, you know, I mean, we can't just sweep it up. And I was kind of hoping that there would become a, a, a resolution, a peaceful resolution. You know, like, yes, okay, yep, guilty as charged, I'm so sorry, let me forgiveness, and, and that, you know, there would be some kind of legal ramifications to it because of the nature of the offences. I was kind of hoping that we'd get a resolution. Instead, I remember my dad saying to me that, if you go any further with this, I will destroy you. I will destroy you. So I'm, I'm in that situation where I think I've got all these values. And my question is, well, what would integrity do? What would integrity do when you're, when you're confronted with having to out your father when he says, if you do it, I'll destroy your reputation. I'll do everything I can. In fact, I remember my dad said to me, he says, you know what, you wouldn't do this. Because he said, by, you'll be guilty by association. It would destroy your reputation. I was a preacher. I'm a minister. And I remember saying to my dad, I said, look, dad, I, I love you. I really do. But you're underestimating me. You're underestimating me. He said, I will stand for the rights of the children. Well, that, that began about a five-year battle where my dad did everything he could do to destroy his son. Go figure. Emails. We would receive personally maybe a dozen emails a week. Current affairs, television. The preacher who's trying to destroy his parents and their marriage and there, there, there was a rumor going around. He, he, he got this thing going where I was stealing all his money and, and stuff like that. I remember one time my dad, I had him in our home and I was trying to get my mum and dad kind of, I was trying to get this thing to work because, because my mum had to leave and my, you know, it was this kind of a weird thing. So I had them in my home. I was trying to, you know, they were visiting with us and I, I was kind of trying to make it work. And my dad came to me and said, one day, he said, I suppose you think I should just go home and commit suicide. And I said, Dad, I said, goodness, my, my brother committed suicide, his son. I said, look, Dad, no one in our family would even go there. This is no way. Of course we don't think that. So he got on a plane and he went home and he wrote around every preacher, every pastor, every friend that he had. I went and saw my son and he told me to go home and commit suicide. Eventually at the court case, I had to stand before a judge and have that accusation against me. It was like this thing was destructive. He wrote a book. 
to destroy my reputation. I would preach. If I was preaching here and, and it was in that season, Sheridan would get a letter from my dad. How can you have this man come and preach for you? So, so, so all this stuff is, is starting to go on. The police became involved. They began to investigate. The barrage only intensified. I had good people, really good people that I trusted or that I believed in, that I thought were really great people, missionaries and people, godly people, that would be calling me saying, why are you telling lies about your dad? Why are you destroying? I was that AUG pastor that was trying to destroy his father. This went on year after year after year, four or five years, constant abuse. I had to ask myself, what would forgiveness do? What would humility do? I had every opportunity. I could have responded. I could have said, listen, here's the proof. Here's a honor your father and mother. So I was, I, was, I was standing for justice, but I would not dishonor my dad. What would forgiveness do? What would integrity do? You see, values dictate your actions, and your actions become your reputation. And I wanted a reputation of integrity. Eventually, my dad was convicted, sentenced to prison for five years. Got out last year, and three months later, had a massive heart attack and passed away. Never, ever reconciled with me. I remember when he was in prison, I wrote to him. I said, Dad, I'd love to come and see you. He wouldn't, he wouldn't allow me. You know, they have to give permission for visitors. So I said to him, you know, Dad, we may not meet each other this, this side of eternity. But I want you to know that I love you. And I forgive you. And I really hope that you'll find peace with God and we'll meet again. That's the closest I got to reconciliation. But you see, all of this happened in the midst of a lens of values. So I wonder tonight, what, what would you write? What would you choose? What are your values? And then are you prepared to stand by them in the midst of battle? Now, there's an interesting story of Joshua and the people of Gibeon. Now, Joshua was leading the people of God. They've, they've come across... Uh, the, the Jordan River, and they've taken Jericho, and they've taken AI, and you know they're, they're in a bit of a, a victory thing going on. There's this, there's this group of people called the Gibeonites, and the Gibeonites are, are kind of next on the list. They're, they're the ones, they're in the, the crosshairs of Joshua and the people of Israel. So they think, you know, what are we going to do is we're going to go and, and do this thing. We're going to go and tell them that we come from miles and miles away, way, 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 way. We don't even come from the place that God's given you, and we're just coming to make a peace treaty with you. And we pick up the story in, in verse uh, 3 of Joshua 9. However, when the people of Gibeonai heard that Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins and cracked and mended, and they put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes, and all the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, and they said to him, and the Israelites, we've come from a distant country, make a treaty with us. So, so these guys are actually doing this kind of deception. They're saying, just, just make a treaty with us, and, and, and you know, we're miles away. 
Verse 14, the Israelites sampled the provisions and checked, you know, these guys are really from along. It wouldn't be bad if these guys happened to be our neighbors. But they didn't inquire of the Lord. They didn't, they didn't actually ask God about it. And then Joshua made the treaty of peace to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. They made an oath. They said, we will not attack this, company, this, 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 this nation, these, this, the Gibeonites. It's, they made the oath. Of course, later on, they find out that, that it was all a ruse, that they're actually neighbors. All the leaders answered, we've given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel. We cannot touch them now. So, so can you just see this thing? They've, they've kind of done this thing. They've got themselves in a bit of a mess. And they made an oath not to attack these guys. But then what happens in the next chapter in Joshua 10, verse 5, it says, Then the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon, they joined forces, they moved up with their troops and took up positions against Gibeon and attacked it. The Gibeons went, uh, then sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gagal and said, Do not abandon your servants. Come to us quickly and help us because uh, all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So, so I want you to just kind of see this thing happening. So, so this, this people... They came to Joshua, and they, they kind of deceived him and, and ripped him off and said, we're from a long way. They made this thing. And then God has vengeance. Then God said, you know what? You're not going to have to attack them. I'm going to get these other five kings, and they're going to wipe them out. Could you imagine Joshua thinking, thank you, Jesus. You saved us. These guys are going to be wiped out. We're not going to have to break our oath. We're not going to lift a finger. There you go. You've got to be honest with you. If, if, if we were Joshua, we'd be thinking, wow, you know, don't mess with God, guys. But no. Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. None of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march, these guys marched all night to Gilgal. Joshua took them by surprise and the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel and Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up uh, to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekar and Makedah. As they fled before Israel on the road from Beth Horon, all these places to Azekar, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it's written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the, God was, the Lord was fighting for Israel. Let me just say this. Joshua, instead of saying, you know what, you've got your just desserts. You guys, you, you, you kind of messed about and you deceived us. And so these five kings are going to wipe you out. And hey, we'll just get on with our world. But no, you see, see, Joshua was a man with values. Joshua was a man of his word. Joshua was saying, you know what, we made a covenant with these guys. We could let them die. We could walk away. We'd probably be innocent before God because by the letter of the law, we're not attacking them. And that's what the oath was. But he said, no, when I make a covenant with somebody, I stand with them, I stand by them, and even though they rip me off, I'm going to go and save them. He gets his army, they march all night, and then they go into battle. They're already tired, and he goes into battle. Why? Because I'm a man of my word. 
I'm a man of my word. I've made my decision. I have my values. I'm making my decision, and I'm going to fight these guys. And he goes and he fights them, and then God joins in and throws down hailstones. You know, this thing's really going on. And, and then, then Joshua is so committed to his word, he's fighting these guys. He hasn't wiped them out, and the sun's setting. And he says, there ain't no way I'm not going to finish this. I've, I've stood by my word. I've made the effort. And he looked at the sun. And he said, son, stand still because I ain't finished yet. And, and you know, the Bible literally says this happened. I think even scientists are saying that they can look at this and say, stay still. I haven't finished. And he, he, the, the sun, he said, never has there been a day like it. And never has there ever been. It'll never happen again where a man could speak to the heavens and make the sun stand still. Here's the deal. When you stand by your convictions, when you become a person of values and say, I will not go back on this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a man of integrity, I'm going I'm to honor the values that I have. Basically, look, Proverbs 28 verse 1, the wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. I'm, I'm going to take my stand and I'm going to see this through. When you begin to do that, the confidence that you have in God, you can make the sun stand still. I'm seeing this thing through. I'm seeing this thing through. You know, you know, when I get up here, imagine if I had allowed myself to get angry and bitter and, and I hadn't made forgiveness. I, you know what? Almost every day for four years, I say, God, I forgive my dad. God, I forgive him. I forgive him for this. I forgive him. Half of my wife's burnout came from that season. I forgive my dad. Imagine if I hadn't done that. But because I did, I can stand here today behind this pulpit, bold as a lion, because I know that I stood by my values. I know that I stood by my values. Let's just take another example. Integrity, purity. It's one of my values. Can I stand before you today and say that I'm like every other human being, I'm like every other man, but I've never slept with a woman outside my wife. I've been in love with my, I mean, she's hot. I mean, she's pretty amazing. Hey? I, mean, I mean, when you've got Rolls Royce in the garage, why would you go out with a mini? But, but what I'm saying to you is, uh, hey, I'm just being honest here, but, but because, because I've made my decision, and I made my decision before the day of temptation, I can stand behind this, behind this pulpit. Imagine if I had to stand behind this pulpit worrying about whether I'm going to get caught out whether something from the past is going to come up and someone's going to say, hey, that's that groom, you know. You see, when you, when you honor your values, you're bold as a lion. You're as bold as a lion. Your values become your culture. Your values define you. It, it becomes who you are. I, I, you, know, it, you look at us old fellas here. You know, you know when, you, when you get to this age on his birthday today, <laughs> you've, been, you've been living values for so long that they begin to define you. I'm telling you, it's true. You meet a, you meet a person who's, who's you know, middle-aged. We're only middle-aged. We've got, we've got probably 40 years left. But, you know, look at this. He's fresh. He's alive. He's, he's, he's filled with faith. How did this happen? How do, you know, don't, don't we love it when we see guys in their 50s, which is not too bad, really, and they're still fresh and in love with Jesus and in love with their wives and stuff? Well, how do we, it's by continually living according to values. That's just how it works. You know, think of King David. King David, he, he was, uh, before he was king, of course, Saul hated him. Saul was hunting him down. Saul was, he was a fugitive from the law. He was falsely accused. Saul was trying to kill this guy. So, so David's on the run. He's hiding in a cave from Saul. And everyone knew that David would be the next king. One day, Saul needs to go to the toilet. 
You know the story. Goes into the cave, not knowing that it's the cave that David's hiding in. So here's Saul, you know, going for a squat in the cave, and David's in there with a sword, and, and all his men are saying, David, this is the moment, this is the time that God's given you. You're going to be the next king. Just take him out. Come on, just do it now. Take him out. You'll be king. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. They even justified it. They even spiritualized it. What did, what did David, he said, no, 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 I will not raise my hand against God's anointed. I've got values. I'm not, I, I won't do this. I know that if I did this, I'd be king right now. I'd be king in, I could be king in five minutes. But I have my values. And my values determine my actions. So I want to encourage you tonight and, uh, to be a person of values. And, and, and here's the thing about values. Values are contagious. Whatever your values are, they become contagious. And, and both good and bad. I, um, one of my values is generosity. So, so when I, uh, I coach people, we often meet in a cafe. And I decided that I'd always buy the coffee. So I'm the person, I'm coaching people. I'm saying, hey, what, what would you like for a coffee? And oh, no, 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 I'll get it. I'm good, you know, I want to I wanna help you. I want to bless you. I'll be generous. So I made this, get the coffee. So in the start, I have 50 people I, I coach right now. And, and almost every time I would, I would buy the coffee. After about two or three times of meeting with these people, there's such an argument at the counter over who's going to buy the coffee because it's contagious. They think, you know what, I want to be generous. And, and you know, values are no more contagious when it, come, but when it comes from leadership. You know, you know, Sheridan's got these values up there, being kingdom focused. If, if, if Sheridan wasn't kingdom focused, it'd be contagious. You, hardly anybody would be. Oh, you know, if Sheridan said, we're always going to try and be here on time, but he started coming late, it's contagious. It just flows through. And, and, and so, so your, your, your values will make a difference in the people around. They just say, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy. So what I'm going to ask you to do tonight is I'm going to ask you to consider your values. I want you, in time, I would love you to come up with at least five that will become the lens through which you see life. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes you're going to come up with values that aren't you. So, so over a few months, you may shift them around a little bit until you come. So for me, it took me a little while to come up with Faith, integrity, generosity, humility, and forgiveness. That's my five. It'll probably be my five till the day I die. I want to be humble. I want to be... I remember when I went to um, Melbourne, and uh, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do, and I met this guy from Waterman Business Centres, and he was building this kind of thing. And, and I was kind of thinking, you know what? This is a cool guy. What, what would humility do? I remember I sat down with him one day, and I said, I said to Neville, Neville Waterman's the guy, I said, you know what? I just want to serve you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll stand at the door and welcome people. I'll clean the chairs uh, uh, after. I'll, I'll set out the chairs. And I, I still do that to this day because it's what would humility do. And that, that humility, that thing of saying, I'm just going to serve this man's vision has turned into his vision for me to be the premier business coach in Australia. And he's paid for it. He's resourced. And he's saying, I will do everything I can to make you the best coach for small business and startups in Australia. But it started by saying, I value humility. I value humility. The doors that will open. So take a moment right now. Take a moment. In fact, I'm going to ask some musicians to come up. At least the keyboard, anyway. Can we have Mr. Keyboard coming up? That'd be great.
I want you to consider this tonight, because I, I don't want us just to go home and make this, you know, a nice message. I want to get you started. So I want you just to take a moment. I, I reckon it, it will take you time to find five. Obviously, your five will be cut down from probably 60 or 70 things that you might write on a page if you want to go ahead and do this. But I reckon that tonight you could probably find two that will be right. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes for a moment. In fact, stand to your feet. Let's everyone stand. Let's just take a bit of time on the Holy Spirit because I found that the values that I chose held me in really good stead for what I didn't know was coming. I, I had no idea it was coming, honestly. I, I did. It was hell, honestly. Those four years were the worst four years of my life by none. And I had no idea that the dad that I love would try to destroy me. And the fact that forgiveness was one of my values saved my life. I can stand here today fresh and alive. There's no bitterness in me. I'm still honoring my dad as much as I can. But forgiveness is such a key thing for me to embrace. So close your eyes right now. And I want you to begin to ask God. I want to maybe just say, God, what's, what's the biggie? What's, what's the one value that I would like to live my life by give me one of the big rocks that'll become part of my ethos hold me in good stead I'm not going to say any words here I just want you to think about it yourself single one. Father, I pray tonight that you would download a value, a truth, a standard that will hold every person in this room in good stead for the season ahead. You got it? You got one? Okay. And ask you to go for one more. Just one more. So we're gonna to do tonight, just two. What's your second? You got it? Give me a wave if you've got two. Okay, pretty good. Okay, now I want you to do something else. This is going to be cool. You guys are a prophetic company, right? You're, you're, you're prophetic people. I want you to look around. I want you to find a friend. I want someone that you preferably know. If you're visiting with us, just kind of chill out. Because someone might come to you. And I want you to give a value away. But I want you to be prophetic. Now, now, now here's the deal. There's two types of values. I have my five permanent values. Faith, integrity, generosity, humility, and forgiveness. But then I have seasonal values. There's certain times where I have to take a value for a season to get me through something. So right now, I have a seasonal value of courage. Going through a bit of a tough time, but going through a bit of a challenge that we've got on our plate. So I'm saying I'm going to have a seasonal value of courage to add to the five. But then that season will come to an end. I say, oh, you know, that was great. I got through that one. The next one, you know, 
could be could be a work ethic. I have to really get through this. I have to get up at five every morning, and you know, most days I, I have to to get what we're going through right now. There would hardly be a day that I wouldn't work between ten and twelve hours just to get across the line. But that won't be forever. I need a value to get me through that. So what I need to do is, is is I want you to go and find somebody and say, here's a value that I think I think prophetically is going to get you through the next season. Go and find someone. Come on, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Find a friend. Here's a value, I think. It's going to help you through. Hold on to it tonight. This is prophetic in one word. I think you're going to need faith. Man, I think you're going to have to rise in faith. You're going to have to have some courage, man. There's some things coming up. There might be some young people out there saying, you know what, I think purity is a value. You, you know, you might be going okay now, but there could be some temptation coming your way. Justice. Don't, don't get in a conversation yet. Go and give somebody a value. You done? Be generous. Okay. I want you to go to somebody else now. Somebody you know. Just even might be the person sitting next to you. I mean, if you don't want to play, that's okay. I get it. You know, it's all good. We're, we're, we're kind of a pretty open environment here. We understand that. Share somebody with somebody that you trust the two values that you've chosen tonight and then ask them what theirs are. Let me just close with a thought. Now I'm going to hand back to, to uh, Pastor Sheridan. Can I just say this? That every value that you're embracing tonight, it takes practice. It takes practice. You can sit down, man, Pastor Sheridan. Just sit down, will you? It just takes practice. To become a, to become a godly... You know, you, you, you know, do you know how you can become a grumpy old man? I can tell you how to become one. I know you're not all right. I'm going to give you some advice. The way to become a grumpy old man is to be a grumpy young man. You know, here's a clue. Do you know how to become a dirty old man? Be a dirty young man. Do you know how to become a worshipping old man? I've been a worshipping young man. This is not rocket science. You know, we kind of think we're just going to be led by the Holy Spirit. This stuff takes practice. Honesty takes practice. Integrity takes practice. And here's the thing about integrity. The cool thing about God's grace and the gospel is even when you blow it, 
we've got an advocate with the Father, and we can put it right immediately, say, God, I blew it, but I want to be a man of integrity. Thank you for your forgiveness. I'm going to keep walking in integrity. I'm going to be an honest man. And even if I don't do it and I, I miss out and I say something, and I know it's untrue. I say, God, please forgive me. I'm going to continue to walk in honesty. And, 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 and it's, just, it's by practice that you become the person in your latter years that is godly, that is successful, that is integrity, that is respected, that is a man of reputation. Because values take practice, 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 practice. That's why these glasses, every time I see my glasses, I think faith, integrity, generosity, humility, and forgiveness. And then I put them on. And I say, that's how I will see life. That's how I will practice life. And my values will become actions. My actions become habits. My habits will build my reputation. My reputation will open doors of opportunity. I hope that helps. Fantastic. That's challenging, isn't it? Is it all right? You're going to go home and sort out the other three? Also, you don't have to have five, you can have more if you want to. Have seven. If you don't know where to start, <laughs> kingdom, focus, purpose, courageous, belonging, and big hearted are five great ones. Because just, you know, for a moment, uh, big hearted, big hearted encompasses generosity, it, become, it encompasses being grateful, all sorts of things in there. So that could be a good trigger point for you, if nothing else. Thank you, Graham. Fantastic. Very, very. And thanks for sharing your story too. That's not easy. That's really, that's really tough. Very good. Well, if you're visiting with us tonight, thank you for being with us. Um, as we leave, there's a table down the back there and someone's holding up a white bag right now. And please get one of those. There's information there about who we are as a church. And uh, any way we can help you, we would love to do that. Also, thank you for being purposed in your giving. Um, you know, giving is, is a godly thing. And uh, your giving allows us to do everything that God's called us to do. And as you exit on the left of both doors, there's giving stations. So thank you for your giving tonight. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you as we finish. But two things here. Uh, Maccas are going, I mean Maccas, the youth are going to Maccas. I was close. I was close. The youth are going to Maccas at Rotatuna. And the young adults, Ashley's not well, so you were going to her place, now you're not. But why don't you just connect with someone and go and have pizza or something like that? Do something. $5 pizzas at um, the eatery or something like that at Rotatuna. So just connect with someone. Go and do something. Have some fun. It'll be great. You want to jump to your feet? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the challenge that has come our way today. Lord, I thank you that you, you've got a plan and a purpose for our lives, and it's a good plan. And uh, you want us to be people who know who we are, who know who we are in you, and who represent you well, so that wherever we are and whenever we're there, our lives will represent you, Jesus. So I ask that you'd help us in all of that, and I, help, I pray that, uh, particularly for young ones, that establishing godly values would, would be something they can really get hold of now and would grow it too in the future. Lord, as we go into the week, I declare your blessing over every person in the name of Jesus. Uh, Father, I also think of the Pollard family, the Siance family, and Cloak families tonight as they've lost their father, father-in-law, and grandfather, Maurizio, and husband. Lord, we ask that you, your peace would be on them. 
in Jesus' name, that they would know your peace beyond understanding at this time. So we declare your blessing over them as a family, uh, particularly this week as they work through funerals and different things. In Jesus' name. For everyone else, Lord, I ask that as we go into the week, we would go with a great sense of your purpose and your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for coming out. Amen.